Hi there, I'm Lucia Bodeman. And I'm Nacha Vieira. Welcome to our podcast from both ends, where we discuss life issues and share interesting stories. Hey everyone, welcome back to our podcast from both ends. We're happy to have you with us. And Nacha, how are you doing today? Ready for this one? Yes, I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks. And listeners, today we're going to be talking about books, our favorites, our not-so-favorites. And so get ready for this one, and we hope you enjoy it like the others. Okay, Nadja, so let's get this thing started. First question to you would be, who inspired you to read? As far as I can remember, my father. He took me a lot to bookstores. (laughs) because he loved reading you know he he was a fierce reader yeah Yeah. and how about you who inspired you to read I don't know if there was a who but maybe a what um well my mom and dad they weren't too big on reading I don't remember having too many books around while I was growing up it wasn't a thing but I don't know maybe it was in my blood I've always loved um letters and words, which eventually, I guess, led me to teaching. But I'm just fascinated by letters and how when you put them together, they become a word. And then when you put all those words together and they become a page and that page becomes a book. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember another thing that might have, you know, contributed to my liking so much of books. My very, very first job was at a library. Um, I was working, um, my mother had a very close friend who was a supervisor at a library. I don't know what the name was. She had some kind of title. And that was my job. I mean, I didn't love the job necessarily because all I had to do, I was what we would call it back then, a page, you know. And so if someone needed a book, they would page me to find it. Okay, I wasn't, I wasn't the person who would um, give any information on the book, just its location within the library. Mm-hmm. And so it was books every day, all the time. And, you know, I eventually was promoted, if you might call that too, <laughs> to doing some other, you know, more secretarial jobs instead of being out there putting books away. But um, maybe that was it. You know, I just thought of that now, possibly because I was surrounded by books surrounded every by. single day. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that had the effect on me. Yeah, I have a question for you because I was mm-hmm. thinking of the list of books, you know, um, meaningful books that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And then uh-huh. I went, I, I thought about the very first book you could possibly remember reading by yourself. Oh, that was probably Dr. Seuss for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, because back, I mean, I was still, when I was a young girl, I was still getting used to the Portuguese English because mm-hmm. I moved to the U.S. when I was seven. And so until that age, I'm sure my parents read books to me. My my dad, as an Indonesian, he would read some Indonesian books, which I had nice. no idea what they meant. But the sound of the language was always beautiful. You know, it was just fascinating that he wanted to pass that culture on to me. But, yeah. you know, on my own, I did not read. I do not read Indonesian. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea how to read that. But um, once I got into books and the school, you know, in the school system in California, you had to read um, on a regular level. We had to do little book reports, you know, very, very simple book reports. I was seven, eight years old. You know, you can't really get into anything. And I'm sure they were Dr. Seuss. And that's my one of my 
greatest, you know, authors. I mean, I don't know much about the person. I know there are some um, some people who are not, you know, there may be some reasons why some of our listeners may not really like him. I don't know. I've heard some controversies about his character, but his books are amazing. And I still love them today. I still love them today. I mean, you know, Green Eggs and Ham is a big favorite yeah. for me. And I even use them in my English classes when I was mm-hmm. teaching, you know, at Cultura Inglesa and ABBA and the language schools. I still use them because there's so much culture in them, yeah. Yeah, I like that since too. But it's funny that um, when I arrived in USA, I was also around seven. And I remember one thing was the library, which was a huge wow thing for me. As the school in Brazil, where I used to study, didn't have a library, especially for elementary, elementary, it's, you know, and then they had this library and I was like, wow, look at that. And the other thing they used to have was a program where they would be kind of form where you would pick and choosing some books and then you take to your parents and your parents agree, whatever, pay for it. And they would deliver books for you. So you buy. So that's how I came across my very first books. And I remember the very first one I bought, the title Uh was Dog, of course. (laughs) What was it? Dog, D-O-G, dog, oh, okay. and an exclamation okay. mark. It was about a dog who, you know, a street dog, you know, and somebody oh, saves him. And so that's like where that. it started. <laughs> yeah, probably. So that's where your love for, for our four-legged friend started. And then I remember getting the Black Stallion, the whole series. And it oh, just yeah, I remember going. that. Yeah. Black yeah. Stallion, the whole series, Little House on the Prairie, the whole series. Yes. Oh, my God. It was just so amazing. And then when I yeah. I went to Brazil, when I was 12, I had to I had to get into the Brazilian literature. You know, mm-hmm. school required the private teacher because I, I needed to catch up on the Portuguese geography history. Yeah. So I had to have yeah. a private teacher to help. And and when once I started kind of reading Portuguese, you know, they were kind of um, the school was asking for, you know, Iracema, Senhora from José de Alencar. Vidas secas, you know, Contiço, Contiço, Memórias Póstumas de Brás Cubas, Machado de Assis, Macunaíma, Marida. But I tell you what, I think, except for Iracema and Senhora, I couldn't really cope with the rest. I mean, I had to read it and I had to do it, but it was such a clash you know, between what I was reading USA to these heavy, I don't know, it's and also, it was, it's like the language was difficult, one for being Portuguese yeah. and one for being like yeah. old Portuguese. These guys were writing like, you know, end of the 1800s, beginning of uh, 1900s, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, my God, it was difficult, you know. Mm-hmm. So get the grasp and the meaning. And at such a young age, because I was a teenager, it was really hard. So I don't think I appreciated literature as I could have. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one of the things that you, you know, you, you mentioned the thing about teaching or practicing uh, reading, you know, maybe encouraging reading in education. That's something that I remember very, very, very well in the States and that I learned to appreciate even more. So my love for reading only grew 
um, in the States. But then when I came back to Brazil, you know, I was already an adult. And when I eventually took, um, I went for my diploma to get my degree in letters, I had to take some classes where, of course, you have to study literature. And the magic just wasn't there. Exactly. It wasn't there. Yeah. You had to read. It's like you had to read to feel somewhat intellectual among, you know, everybody who was there reading, you know, to try to fit in somehow. Yeah, it it wasn't it wasn't magical. It wasn't enticing. It wasn't inviting. You know, it was just a whole different approach. Because I remember um, as I was growing up, I mean, we would have to read Huckleberry Finn. We would have, we would discuss the book. We would have discussions about the book in class, you know. So it was like the characters would come to life in our classes, you know, to the point where we would move tables around and we would sit in a circle. And then we would act out some of the, um, of the scenes and the stories. We would discuss, you know, we would go through a character um what's the called the character analysis and such it was just so different it was just so different and you know not uh, this is not putting down any brazilian book because the brazilian books are great just as well i mean the stories that you mentioned are very interesting and very you know historically culturally important but the approach towards you know the reading in class the approach towards you know enjoying the reading getting the most out of the reading you know even as a teacher i say this today as a retired teacher but throughout my 30 years 30 something years of teaching um i didn't see much of that you know that wasn't the norm you know if I, if i tried to do it or if a colleague of mine tried to do it that would be different and the kids would love it the kids mm-hmm. would love it and i would think see it does work. If it worked in the States, of course, why wouldn't it work here? Exactly. You know? yeah, exactly. But maybe the entire educational system isn't built that way. You just have to read it. You have to answer a worksheet. You have to, I don't know, maybe answer questions on the exam and move on. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, how, how boring, <laughs> you know, you're wasting a very valuable opportunity to, to get so much more out of it. And, and you don't. Yeah, I remember that when I was a teen and, you know, and it was happening all this to me, which was really boring mm-hmm. Brazilian literature. Yeah. It, the idea that I had was that they were more to me. OK, it was like they were more worried about um, elaborating very, you know, elaborated words yeah. and adjectives and whatever, whatever, you know, uh, that make just whole, whole stories so yeah, just the language. Yeah, yeah. language yeah. was making you know, everyone very cult and very yeah, you know exactly. intellectual. So, but the, so for the me as a teenager, yeah. it wasn't you know as a teenager, I don't think it was it boring. Fit. It was boring. <laughs> so then a friend of mine gave me a book, lent me a book called Shogun uh-huh. by James Clavell. And the book was like a Bible. It was this thick. It was. Using. I remember that. Yeah. Oh my God! I fell in love all over again because sometimes <laughs> I was in class. You know, I would just put the notebook in front of me, and uh-huh. inside uh-huh. I was reading Shogun. You know, not even paying attention to what the teacher was saying because it was so fascinating. You know, the way that he wrote was simple, was nice, was direct, and it was just a mental trip to Japan. No, it was absolutely fantastic, Shogun. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's about the approach. I mean, it's how how parents, how teachers, you know, how the educational system 
um, encourages people or not to be readers, not to read, okay? Not to read because you have to answer a test. Yeah. It's to find that magic within the stories because I think, you know, if you're reading Memorias Boschewitz, Brascubas, you know, there's so much, inter- there, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening in this story. You know, we could talk about life and death and near-death experiences and the teacher you know, didn't what happens. We, none of that was discussed in class. No, none no, of it. None, none of, of it. it. Yeah. Teacher yeah. didn't make it's it. Like you said, people are focusing on the words and the language and the verbs and the adjectives and, mm-hmm. you know, all of this. And, and it just killed it. Yeah, killed it. Exactly. So then I, I, I continue on being an avid reader, but on my own terms, not because of school. So, you know, The Little Prince later on, later on was Narnia, a lot later on. I'm just saying the ones that really impressed me. And a lot later on, it was Harry Potter, which was really funny, the story of Harry Potter, because I remember where we used to work, Lucia, it was a huge thing, this Harry Potter. It everybody, was. everybody talking about Harry Potter. Porter. And I'm like, what is this book about? So I went to the library, <laughs> you know, and I said, hey, I'm, I want to lend this book, figure out what this nonsense is all about, because I knew it was a kid's book, whatever, you know. So I started reading the book, yeah. really skeptical, you know, ready yeah. to <laughs> I started find everything book. wrong with it. Oh my goodness, I fell in love. So today, because of Jean, we have it in English, Portuguese, and Dutch, <laughs> the whole collection here in Holland. Loved it. Loved it. Fascinating, Harry Potter. It's a shame that schools, it's a shame that schools, you know, don't do more to to encourage that. Because, you know, even I remember even talking to my students, we did Animal Farm in, in high school. Mm-hmm. And what a great book that is, you know, with the the perks, the perks of being a wallflower, you know, that's another one. And we discussed these books in class to the point where, you know, the the students had a chance, for example, to represent one of the characters. We did Romeo and Juliet, you know, and they had to discuss uh, teen anguish, you know, adolescent love and, and, you know, being against your parents and, and, you know, this whole thing about conflict. In other words, these are, these are, you know, literary masterpieces um, and they had their moment to shine. They had their moment where you could feel that the book was alive. That's when I feel, you know, it happens because you begin to, you know, even from your own imagination, you begin to see the characters. Yeah. You know, and you- they're right there in front of you. Where, And if you just focus on the words and the letters and, the, you know, the syntax and the test, I mean, that's, that's, that's real. That's homicide. No, it's not homicide because it's not a man, but a person, but that's, that's killing it totally. Once I read Narnia, I bought the whole collection because Narnia is one of the books. It's a chronicle. It's a series of books. And I read the first one and so on. And I figure out that the whole story is about the Bible. The very first book of the series, you know, it's mm-hmm. creation. I went on, wait a second, I know this story, you know, and mm-hmm. then I figure out that this lion here is Jesus. Oh, it's so fascinating. Once you once you grasp that whole thing, I say, hey, wait a second, I know this story. Let's just change the names and the things. You oh, know, wow, I never thought about that. Yeah. And what do you think about reading versus watching? Would you rather read the book or watch the film and why? 
always yeah. read. Yeah, always I read. I mean, there have been, I think, just one, one uh, movie that or series that um, actually was better than the book, which was Thornbirds. Other than that, oh, I remember that one. Wow, books were always better. What about you? Um, I prefer reading because, like I said, um, I prefer creating in my mind, you know, the character, you know, to having like an imaginary figure because it's just more fascinating to me. You know, it, it makes my brain happy to work, you know, to put it <laughs> into work. And so when you have a book, it's very, very hard for that book to represent so authentically and so and so realistically what you had in mind as you read it so it doesn't happen always you know it's happened a couple of times I'm trying to remember a specific title now but usually what happens is they're not the same yeah which is hard to do nowadays to get our students to read to get people to read because viewing is so much faster I mean you know watching a movie is you know they can't put like a big, huge book, like uh, like you said, like Shogun, you know, putting Shogun into a movie, that, that, it's impossible. that's impossible. There was a book that I read lately, um, Little Fires Everywhere. I, um, I forgot the name of the author. I can give you that later. But I read the book and then I watched the TV series and it was very, you know, it was very much like the book. So mm-hmm. I, it was a, a welcome surprise to see that everything that I had read was in the series it was very well produced and directed so one of the one of the books on fiction that i really really like was look at this look at the size this one of the books of um game of thrones which are like seven seven like this how many pages are in there like 700 let me see (laughs) it's kind of like um barack obama's book which is about 700 pages or so 1160 That's only huge. one book because there are yeah. like seven of these, you know. Yeah, it's a so, pocket book, so the size is smaller, but still, mm-hmm. it's a lot. Still, it's pretty yeah. good. I mean, the the best one. I always think the best one of the series are always the first one, except Narnia. Yeah. But you know, some things got hard in my life, so that is when Byron Katie, "Loving What Is," was an amazing book, and Eckhart Tolle, "A New Earth," and all the books of Wayne Dyer. So. Law of Abstraction by Esther Hicks was a big one in my life, too. Paganism, Introduction to Earth-Centered Religions, which started me off on the path that I am now. And today, and I read the Bible, too. <laughs> Old and new, the whole thing. Um, but today what I'm reading is uh, The Jesus Mysteries by Peter Gardy. And that is the one that I'm reading. <laughs> what about you? Uh, the books that I've read, um, I've read several, but the ones that I highlight are basically Green Eggs and Ham because it teaches you a lot about culture, about trying things out that may not look so great. And this I apply to traveling, to seeing, being in new places where things look strange, like going to China and maybe, you know, seeing, uh, I don't know, weird things on a stick that are, that's considered cultural food. So that kind of, I I remember discussing these things in my classes about maybe it doesn't look so great, like Sarapateo here in Recife, but I actually tried it out and it was delicious. 
Um, let me see a couple of the books. Third Culture Kids, because as you know, I have, you know, culture is a big deal in my in my life. And the thing about identity, forming an identity of where I belong. So the Third Culture Kids by, by Polak and Van Rakin is a big one. Um, Law of Attraction, which you mentioned, tells you a lot about how to manifest positivity, how to manifest good things and and, you know, the, the energy that you put out, you can be doing yourself a lot of good or bad. So it all depends on how you interact with things that you have no control over, you know, but they do exist. So that was a big lesson right there. Um, there's The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek, which is a business, you know, management book in which I'm not into that. But considering myself a teacher, teachers are sort of business people. They're sort of, you know, they market um, what we do. Okay, And so this book is about um, having a reason why you do things. You bring people together when there is a common belief of why we're doing what we do. Okay, not what for. We don't, it's not about getting the money. It's not about passing grades. But why are we actually here? Why are we? a group of five, a group of 20, a group of 100 in the same room. There must be something that brought us together. So Simon Sinek's, his work is based a lot on having a purpose and a belief in what you're doing. So his books are, are big with me, even though, you know, like I said, it has nothing, has little to do with education in my specific field. Um, Gifts of Imperfection, as well as Daring Greatly, Brene Brown books. I, I enjoy her books because they talk a lot about vulnerability, about exposing yourself, about putting yourself in an arena and showing your weakness, you know, because from the moment that you begin to express and show your weakness, you become stronger. If you just hide it from the world, you know, there's no way you can learn from it. But, you know, exposing your weaknesses and learning how to see reactions, you know, how to read what comes back at you is very important, you know. Uh, it's not that you, we have anything wrong with us. We're just being human. Everyone's being human, you know. And everyone's in an arena of sorts. And so when we are more vulnerable together, we have chances of empathy. We have chances of compassion. We have chances of understanding. And we, we come together, right? So vulnerability, which is seen as maybe a weak sign, you know, of being human, um, it's everything but that. You know, when you show vulnerability, when you're willing to expose yourself, that's a sign of strength. That's that's pretty much it. Besides that, autobiographies. Um, I, I read autobiographies by people I love. I love Alicia Keys, so I've read her biography. Very interesting. And Elton John. Elton John is my all-time, you know, favorite. There hasn't been a great, great book yet about Michael Jackson, the one that didn't talk about, you know, uh, you know, all the bad stuff that people said about him. So I'm still waiting for a good book on him, which of course I will purchase and keep in my collection. But yeah, those are, in a nutshell, those are kind of the ones that have um, stood out to me the most. And just for the listeners, I mentioned uh, Little Fires Everywhere, the book. It's uh, the author's name is Celeste N.G. Okay, I think it's an Asian name. So I believe the pronunciation is Ng. I'm not sure, but great book. She's a great writer. Very, very good. What is it about? Um, it's about relationships, actually. It's a it's fiction, okay? It's a story about 
you know, what happens when one family moves into a community which is completely different from them and how they are embraced and how they are maybe attacked, not physically, but, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of conflict there and things begin to happen. So it, it has a lot to do with mother-daughter relationships, very, very good with mother-daughter relationships, and also interracial, oh, sorry, interracial relationships, um, accepting one another, um, you know, not besides the differences, but because of the differences, because I think the differences, you know, um, when they're embraced, they create a stronger community. So the book tells you a lot about that. It's, it's very good. Who are your favorite yeah. authors? Um, I mentioned a couple. Let's see, Brene Brown um, is a big one, Simon Sinek. And there's, of course, my latest favorite book, which is Untamed by Glennon Doyle. I like her style. She talks a lot about um, feminism, not like against men, but the strength in being a woman, you know, the strength in saying no sometimes when, when society tells you that, yes, you have to do this, you have to act like this, you have to behave like that. And she says, why? She just simply asks why, you know. But let me see. Another one is John Grisham. He writes uh, books about law. But yeah, and, and there are several, several books that you would think that maybe as a teacher, I wouldn't read them because, you know, they have very little to do with education. Maybe it's business, maybe it's law. But that's the thing that I enjoy about it, because I can always find something that links one area with another. And there's there's a message there. There's always a message there, you know, about being human, about being a good professional, about being a good leader not in a business necessarily, but maybe in a home because, you know, like that, a housewife is a leader in that home. A housewife is, you know, is someone who markets something for the benefit of the family. And so, you know, I can always find these links. So I don't like to limit myself to one specific genre of book because I, it just the reading is fascinating. One more I would mention is John Grisham's A Time to Kill which uh, which is a great book. I read the book and then I watched the movie and, and that was another very pleasant surprise because the movie, it was very, um, how can I say, loyal to the book. Mm -hmm. And it's about, um, I think it was Southern US, I don't know, Missouri, Mississippi in the times of the Ku Klux Klan. And so very, very interesting. It became a movie with Matthew McConaughey being... Um, the lawyer who's going to represent a man who shot some guys because they uh, raped and killed his daughter. And so who's right and who's wrong? You know, the fact that he's black, you know, in a time when the Confederate was, was strong and, you know, of course, would he be uh, guilty or innocent? That's, you know, that is the chunk of the film. Fantastic movie. Excellent, excellent acting by by McConaughey fantastic yeah I like him yeah hey Lou do you prefer ebooks or papers um I like I like both okay the convenience of ebooks are great um and you know of course we don't have as much space these days apartments are not big 
Um, and you do have to be careful with that. But when I have a favorite author, when I have a book that I really enjoy, um, I buy it. I buy the, the hard copy because I like to make notes. I like to highlight in them. And in ebooks, it's just not the same. Yeah, I know I can do that in my Kindle. It's just not the same. Yeah. And, and I do like the smell of books. I like walking into a library. I love yeah. walking into a bookstore, you know, a big, huge bookstore with two or three floors. Oh, my God. I wish I, I had one at home. Get... I wish I had a big home with a big library, you know, with those stairs oh, thing. You can yeah. use that, that ladder that you can move. and that. Yeah. I wish I had. Yeah, I've been, I've been to two fantastic bookstores, you know, and not too long ago. One of them was, I think, Waterstones in England. I think it's on Oxford Street, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, my God, it's just such a great place to be. And the other one is called The Last Bookstore in downtown Los Angeles. Fascinating place. Old books, new books, um, you know, little tiny corners where you can actually take books where they create like a, a, like, like a hole in the wall sort of thing with books around it. And you can put your, your face in there and take a picture. Oh, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. So... So, yeah, I still enjoy, you know, walking into a library or walking into a, a bookstore like that and, and buying books when I know that I'm really, you know, it's going to be a special book. It's going to be important in my library. But if it's just a book for fun and, okay, I'm curious about the topic, I'm going to read it, it'll, it'll, I'll just buy the, the Kindle copy. Do you trust authors or do you see them as biased? It's, it's like we were discussing before, you know, I have my own opinion on things. I can be critical. I like to read to understand other people's opinions, but I don't necessarily adopt them as my own unless I agree. You know, if I agree, if I think, okay, this makes sense. Yes, I could relate to that. I can accept that and I can adopt it as something I believe in. Then yes, but just because it's his name and he said so, no. Because they're human beings just like us. People who exactly. write, they tell stories. We all have stories, right? Exactly. And yeah. so each one has a story to tell from his point of view, her point of view. And so, you know, I don't make it my own, but I can agree or disagree depending on what they've told me in the book. How yeah, exactly. Same thing. I mean, the same thing. You know, sometimes people get it and they say, because here it says that <laughs> whatever. According to this, is, you have to believe according it. According to yeah. this, I have to believe it. I say, well, if I read it and yeah. I, some things I can agree with, others not. I do not have to yeah. agree with everything in a book. And I don't even mm -hmm. have to agree with the whole book itself. You know, sometimes there are some, sometimes, you know, there are things that I just don't agree with. Well, okay, I guess that's it for today, listeners. We hope you enjoyed uh, what we have for you. I'd like to thank you for, for coming back and staying with us and, and having some fun as we go through these topics, which uh, is always a pleasure. And Nadja, I'd like to thank you again uh, for, for joining us and being with us and, and you know, and you. being uh, my partner in this. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. All right. And that's it, guys. Okay, stay tuned for our upcoming episodes. As always, always posted on uh, Thursdays. So And October will be fun, right? Because it's Halloween yeah. time. So we're going to have yeah. all the creepy, spooky, and scary stuff. Yeah, so stay tuned and join us in October. We're going to talk about all things Halloween, all things... Uh, 
yeah, all things orange and black and witches and ghouls and black cats and so on should be fun. Lots of tricks and treats, <laughs> for sure. Okay? So, all right, bye-bye. Okay, catch you guys next time. Have a great day, afternoon or evening, wherever you're located, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.